It's Morning Edition from NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. We're getting into this week's top headlines. New Hampshire voters went to the polls this week to decide which Republican and Democratic candidates will represent each party on the ballot in the general election this fall. NHPR's senior political reporter, Josh Rogers, and the union leader's senior reporter, Kevin Landrigan, join me now to talk about the state's primary results and what they mean coming up for the general election. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Morning. Let's start with the major races on the Republican side. The winners of the party's nomination for Senate and the first and second congressional districts were all uh, the candidates who embraced Trumpism the most. Josh, tell, tell us more about that. Well, the big race uh, was the U.S. Senate primary and uh, Don Bolduc, um you know, he he's certainly the, the I guess you could call him the Trumpiest of the of the candidates in that primary. It was a large primary, and he edged Chuck Morse uh, in the first district race. It was Caroline Levitt, who literally was a Trump administration spokesperson in Washington, and perhaps channeled the former president in the in the purest form. She uh, beat Matt Mowers uh, in a big field. Um, and in the second district, it was Bob Burns who explicitly branded himself as the pro-Trump candidate in the race. Um, you know, one thing we ought to say about these races is these were all multi-candidate primaries and significant. If you pulled together all the votes of the, you know, so-called non-Trump candidates, and you can be too reductive about this, but if you pool pool all those votes, <clears throat> those were still the majority. But you know, at the end of the day, the candidates who most ran on a populist, anti-establishment outsider, uh, Trumpist message, they all they all won the big races. Yeah, and we can talk a little bit more later on about, about what the implications for the general election with that. But Governor Sununu endorsed State Senator Chuck Morris, who ran against Don Bolduc in the primary. Morris, more of an establishment Republican, of course, been around for a long time. Sununu called Bolduc a, quote, conspiracy theorist type. Kevin, now that Bolduc actually has the nomination, is Sununu backing him? Yes, he is. We certainly saw that at um, the Unity Breakfast on Thursday morning. Um, uh, Josh was there as well and, and probably noted, as I did, that kind of awkward moment at the breakfast where Bolduc finishes speaking at the podium. Um, he comes down, and Chris Sununu is coming to podium to speak, and Chris Sununu uh, thrusts his hand out to shake his hand, and and Bolduc invites Sununu to give him a bear hug, which occurs. Um, <laughs> during Bolduc's speech, he essentially said at one point, you know, sometimes in the heat of battle we say things we uh, – that if we think about it later, we probably wouldn't have said. I think that was probably alluding to having called uh, Sununu's family a communist, Chinese communist sympathizer. Um, that certainly didn't sit well with the governor, and I think prompted him to characterize him as not a serious candidate. But um, it's time for the general election. It's time for the party to come together. I think Republicans understand especially in New Hampshire in a swing state like this, if they're not united, it'll be very difficult for them, particularly in the federal races, to beat uh, incumbents who who have experienced at this and, and know how to um, thrust and parry on the campaign trail. And one thing that was interesting was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, when the governor uh, spoke at the Unity Breakfast, he he said this isn't really essentially about individuals or personalities. This is about making sure we stay on the messages that resonate and are important to voters. Um, but it was a little awkward, as Kevin said, and it was. And afterwards, uh, I was standing there when Don Bolduc approached Governor Sununu with a uh, Unity Breakfast campaign sign and asked the governor to sign it. And so Don Bolduc is definitely trying to uh, 
make it clear that that he, you know, harbors no ill will, at least he's not going to express it publicly uh, about Governor Sununu. But we shall see whether they campaign as a team, as sometimes they do, or whether, as Governor Sununu has successfully, there's, you know, at times a decoupling from at least certain candidates on on, that he shares the ticket with. Sure. It'll be interesting to see what what happens with that. Does this mean that we're seeing the more establishment side of the Republican Party and those embracing Trumpism more closely coming together ahead of the general? I mean, obviously, they're sharing the ticket, but you know, are we seeing that that generally that's that's happening across the party, not just with with the governor and at the top of the ticket, but in general with 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 voters? Yeah, I think certainly that's um, that's the focus of the Republican Party. As I said earlier, I really think they understand that if we're not disciplined and we're not uh, focused, that um, that Democrats uh, could prevail in November. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's what was interesting about the two messages coming out of the unity events. I think they acknowledge both parties sort of admit, are admitting to the public, um, they've got some work to do. Um, The Democrats, for example, at their unity event, clearly saying, you know, in 2020, we got a clock cleaned. I mean, Chris Sununu got a record number of votes for any governor running in state history. He, um, He won by a better than two to one margin. He carried the Republicans into majority and at the state house at every level of power and the Democrats were saying we gotta get that back. And the focus of course at the Unity Breakfast for Republicans was there's been an all democratic congressional delegation here for more than four years. We don't like it <laughs> at all. Um and um and it's time to mm-hmm. bust that up in some way. It's morning edition on NHPR. We are recapping this week's news with the union leaders Kevin Landrigan and NHPR's Josh Rogers. If you've got some questions that you'd like to uh, let us know about, you can inform our reporting with an email at voices at NHPR.org. In each of the three federal races, the Republican nominees will face veteran incumbent Democrats in Senator Maggie Hassan and Congressman Annie Custer and, of course, Congressman Chris Pappas. Josh, what did we hear from them this week? What's their messaging as they uh, pivot to the general election here? Well, I mean, some of it, as Kevin mentioned, was an acknowledgement that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that, you know, 2020 didn't go well in part. I mean, part of that was due to, you know, this was the when President Biden was then candidate Biden campaigning. You know, the pandemic was a policy that Democrats were running on and there was less face to face campaigning um, that they did. And I think they recognized that that hurt them. That's on the sort of tactical side. Um you know, on the policy side, I mean, you know, the Maggie Hassan's having an abortion event uh, related today. Um, they've all come out of the block saying, you know, women's rights are at stake in this election. Obviously, women are a cr- crucial part of the Democratic uh, electorate. And, um, you know, Democrats always run on abortion rights with Dobbs and with restrictions p- passed at the state house that um, we've never had before in New Hampshire. Uh, they see this as an issue that they can really... Um, galvanize voters on. And, you know, it's also a way to not um, have to focus on the economy, which is what Republicans are going to be trying to focus on. And uh, so um, that's kind of where we're going to be headed with both with both parties. So do the outcomes of the primary mean that New Hampshire is going to be a battleground state for Republicans trying to gain back the the majority in Congress? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's true. I do think um, some of this is really about uh, the political map, if you will. Um, as we know, uh, former President Trump has been very good at 
endorsing candidates and, and getting them to win primaries. But as we see in state after state, swing state after state, a lot of these nominees are trailing in a lot of these battleground states, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Arizona, Georgia. These were all states six months ago looked like Republicans were going to win U.S. Senate seats there. Now it looks like they all could lose, which means New Hampshire becomes even that, that much more important. So I think at the national level, even though nationally establishment Republicans may not be happy with Bolduc, they have to live with him because at the end of the day, he winning New Hampshire may be essential to Republicans taking the majority in the Senate. Are Democrats generally happy that Don Bolduc has got the nomination here? Are Democrats in the state happy when they see more Trump-aligned candidates uh, as the nominee? Well, they certainly, uh, you know, they were certainly spending on the national level uh, to support the nomination of Don Bolduc on the Republican side. And, you know, certainly he gives, in some ways, he gives Democrats... Um, you know, plenty of material to work with. I mean, we can see he's already trying to uh, reestablish. You know, yesterday he came out and said, after just weeks ago, uh, reasserting the view that, that Donald Trump actually won the 2020 election, he said yesterday, literally, people live and people learn. And I've done a little research, and, and, and you know, I want to be abundantly clear about this. Joe Biden uh, won the election. He in specifically essence, mentioned it, he talked to people in both parties. Yes, and in, so in on. essence, yeah. is what he said. But um, you know, at the same time, you know, it's kind of a be careful what you wish for. I mean, Don Baldock has shown himself as somebody who could win a high stakes competitive primary, uh, running on a shoestring. He didn't have any money. He will have money now. Uh, he certainly has a lot of energy. You know, he has a compelling, uh, you know, personal story. Uh, and he's a different sort of opponent uh, than, than what Maggie Hassan has tended to face. I mean, we'll see. I mean, she's going to, um, you know, point to the many, many things he said and whether or not he tries to revise them on election denialism, on abortion, um, on what sort of federal parts of the federal government he would eliminate if he had his way. And, um, you know, she's proven that she has the will and the discipline to compete hard in tough elections. This may be that. You know, there's a lot about Don Bolduc, the candidate, that we don't know. I mean, the Senate primary, it, it's not the level of scrutiny that is going that he's going to be on now. And mm -hmm. there's going to be big money on both sides of this race. Um, you know, we'll see whether the Democrats wish for Don Bolduc as a nominee is one that uh, one that they, um, you know, regret or not. Yeah. Governor Sununu up for re-election this year. He's facing Tom Sherman, a state senator from the Seacoast. Kevin, how is that race shaping up so far? Yeah, I think... Um It'll be interesting to see how uh, Senator Sherman deals with Chris Anunu, who's obviously uh, a very popular incumbent going for a fourth term. Uh, John Lynch, a Democrat from Hopkinton, is the only one in state history who's ever gotten a fourth term. So it's hard to do. I think this race will be competitive because of that. I think in New Hampshire, after several elections... Uh, you get shot for him. Yeah, and, and exactly. And you kind of you develop a lot of war, you know, kind of wounds from past campaigns and, and people are upset. And certainly Chris Sununu is not as popular now as he was in 2020 at the height of the pandemic. Um, and that's thanks to Democratic groups that have spent more than $3 million on television, critical of his ban on late-term abortions. And I think that's a major focus of Senator Sherman's campaign for governor as it is on the federal level. I think he's taken his cues nationally from this effort to try and um, make abortion rights a central focus. We have seen in the last three elections that Democrats 
who are state elected officials who are nominees for governor have tried to make this an issue against this governor and have failed um, pretty badly. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether in the post Roe versus Wade world we live in now, whether it's really an issue that cuts. And it'll also be interesting to see whether Sherman can appeal to more you know, middle-of-the-road voters. I mean, Sununu has won each of his races over the over his Democrats' challengers by a larger and larger share, and all of them um, came out of districts, Colin Van Ostern, uh, a uh, executive council district, uh, Molly Kelly, a Senate district, and Dan Feltes, a Senate district, that are dominated by Democrats. Sherman has had to win in a place where there are more Republicans than they did. And, you know, whether or not he can cross over uh, and poll independents and, and some Republicans remains to be seen. But, mm-hmm. you know, he comes from a different background in that respect than the prior people who Sununu has, has beaten. All right. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. We'll right. obviously be watching both those races. I want to thank both Josh Rogers and Kevin Landrigan. Thank you both for coming in early this morning. You're welcome. Have a great weekend. You can find more of our politics and election coverage at NHPR.org, by the way. And while you're there, we suggest you also check out the New Hampshire News Quiz. It's a quick, fun, and informative way to test your knowledge of this week's news. You can sign up to get the quiz emailed to you, or you can check it out every Thursday evening. It's fresh at NHPR.org slash quiz. We're here next Friday with more top headlines. I'm Rick Anley, and this is NHPR.